Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fashion Grunge Podcast. I'm Lauren. I'm Jai. Hey! We're talking another documentary. I feel like we always talk documentaries and like not just these documentaries, but like we've been talking about Nirvana and alternative rock for a little while. So we're back on the alternative rock train. We're talking the BBC Seven Ages of Rock episode six. So we're doing it out of order. We already did the Britpop one, which was seven. So, but there was a link for it. That's pretty much the reason why I wanted to do this one because there was a public link where people could watch it. Yeah, and it's really good quality as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another thing. Sometimes they're uploaded and they're like really gritty and you can't see anything. Yeah, so exactly. I hope that people watch this one. Um, it's really good. I love this whole series. I mean, if I can find the blank generation link i'd like to do that one that one's all about punk and you you were we were talking we just hung out today so you were talking about television and i was like oh yeah that's in like the punk episode yeah i definitely want to watch that because i don't i i don't i didn't really know much about american artists like some of them not all of them obviously but even in this one i learned a lot like i didn't really know much about rem before um the 90s you know like yeah, I yeah. know a couple of songs that were really huge um, from like the eighties uh, albums. Losing but, my religion. Yeah, that well, was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that. No, but that was nineteen. That that was nineties. That was nineties. Yeah. yeah. No, Radio was, for Europe. Did you know that song? Uh, there are two songs that are really big from like his early, like their early album, but I didn't really know. Like I didn't know so much about them. Like. Yeah, I didn't either until just I watched Just like, it. I didn't know the other band, the... Oh, we just talked about it. Black in the Flag, Who's Do? No, not not the other one. Um, Mud Honey. I, I knew Mud Honey. Uh, the Pixies. The... the um, we just said it in the... Oh, cup. The Replacements. The Replacements, thank The you. Replacements, yeah. Yeah, so it was really cool. I, I liked being surprised, you know, when I learned stuff about musicians I didn't know much about before at school. Yeah, I actually made a playlist on Spotify last night as I was watching it. Oh, I'm going to cool. do one for the Britpop one. And I did, like, all of the songs that they played and kind of mentioned. So it's a tad repetitive. Like, there may be, like, four Nirvana songs, maybe, like, four R.E.M. songs, because they talk about them the most out of all the bands. Cool. But, yeah, yeah I'll post it. Yeah, I should do one for the Britpop one, too, because there were tons in that one, which yeah. is pretty neat. And so even, like, I've, even though I've seen so many, like, um, documentaries about Kurt Cobain or uh, Nirvana. Like, I feel like I always learn at least one interesting thing about them that I didn't know, you know, when I watched this one, for example. Yeah, this one actually had... Uh, we were just talking earlier that I was like, I feel like I'm so inundated with obviously Nirvana and Kurt Cobain is like my, probably my favorite band that I know the most about. But I feel like I really wanted to know the reason why there weren't other bands explored, but I, I think there might be something with interviews and footage, like maybe those songs were cleared that they could use. And because it's just weird. They, they mentioned Pearl Jam once they just they say do. Soundgarden. They don't even say Alice in Chains. Mm -mm. So it's really, and like they mentioned Mud Honey like slightly. So it's like, I don't know if maybe they just had like Dave Grohl is in it. Um, and Chris, so uh, maybe they were like, look, we got them to do this fucking documentary. Like, we're obviously going to talk about Nirvana. I think so. I think there's some kind of, yeah, some agreement like that, you know, because they can get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has to be. 
So what were your, like, overall thoughts on this one? Like, what were some of your standouts on this episode? Um, I mean, honestly, overall, I just, I love that, like, I love that they talk about the pixies. Um, yeah, that's cool. I loved when, <laughs> again, just, like, a little story that I never heard before about Dave Gro- when Dave Grohl talks about <laughs> Unplug. I know, um, yeah. And... You know, because he was acoustic and they didn't think they were going to pull it off. And obviously Kurt was doing very poorly and they just didn't know how it was going to go, basically. But he kept saying, like, take it down a notch, you know, because the drums are, like, too loud. And and actually, it's funny because when he says that and then they they showed it, you can see they were almost, like, nervous every time he was playing. It was almost like he Mm -hmm. was, like, "Uh, uh," like... Yeah, it's oh, it's just a really funny expression on his face, like, you know. And have you seen? Well, side note: Have you seen the banter? Like, I, I definitely advise anyone who's a Nirvana fan, or, or even if you're a fan at all, to watch the unplugged. I believe it's on YouTube somewhere where it's unedited, so it's just a continual shot. Oh, it's not edited like no, the DVD. I I oh my it. gosh! And I'll I'll try I'll link that. I'm gonna put a note to link. Um, the the banter that they have between songs is so funny. Like Kurt ends up talking about like a cartoon that like and, and it's funny because what he does is he like turns his chair and he kind of like talks to the band. Like he puts his back to the audience, but he's like, "Hey, do you guys remember that cartoon growing up?" Like it's I so cool. I have seen. Cool. I have seen probably um, clips, clips, right? Of it. Yeah, where he's just having mm-hmm. a chat. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Like he's like laughing and like doing yeah, impressions feels, and stuff. He seems really comfortable. And, like it's true. Like it makes sense now when they um. I, I can't remember if it was Chris or uh, Dave said that he was very happy, that Kurt was really happy that day. Yeah. Like, I think it was just nice to have this sort of intimate moment. moment. Like, it's so different from all their shows and it's just like a really small crowd and it was acoustic and it was just like really beautiful. Um, but again, I, I didn't know about that. Like, that, you know, he kept talking to Dave about like the the drums being too loud and I didn't know I never made that relationship between the lilies and like how dark that set was it did look like a funeral I just I mean I always just thought that was just so beautiful but yeah it it, when they said that takes on like a different meaning yeah yeah. of course and then I also didn't know that he was really close to Michael's type I didn't know that. that he's cassette was the last well we don't know if it was the last thing that he played but it was yeah. found in his um cassette player yeah how crazy that's like so eerie too it, it is just, just to think about that just sad i just i generally felt profound sadness at the end of that documentary because yeah you just see him as a human not as the artist you know what i mean like yeah this one had person. a he, mm-hmm I don't know. I, I just like didn't think of him as like Kurt Cobain. I just thought of him as a really tormented, just a, a human, you know, and yeah. sad. It's true. I feel like it's, uh, this one is the only one that I've kind of come out of it being like super, I also like really just sad about it, but also the way that they showed it, like just even the B-roll they had, the music, like the piano that they had, like mm-hmm. it just, the way they ended at the unplug, oh, yeah. um, with that, like, you know, uh, where'd you sleep last night? Like it was just done really well it as was. an episode. Yeah. So, yeah, it, like every, it, like, you know, every episode really, um, 
Yeah, it's great. BBC, hats off. They yeah, literally can really do good. no wrong. Like, I don't really understand how they can be so good. <laughs> they have, I feel like they must have access to so much archival footage, they, too. They do, but it's also, it's the editing. They obviously have really incredible people. Mm-hmm. Because it's all in the edit, isn't it, really? Yeah, it's, like what it's bring so something good. To, like what really makes something. It's having that kind of eye to put something together like that, the order and everything. It's so good. Um, so this is episode six called Left of the Dial, which is a replacement song. I have to say, if you do not know the replacements, as you did not know them, go check them out. Uh, Let It Be is one of their big albums. Also the album Tim. And Please to Meet Me is another great album. They have a few. Paul Westerberg is the lead singer of that band. He ended up going solo for a minute. And he has... We did singles a long time ago. And the title song for singles is a Paul Westerberg song. Um, He has a very distinctive voice. That song, Dyslexic Heart. Um, He has a very distinctive voice. So when you hear both, you're like, oh, wow. Like, it's it's cool. But yeah, they're a great band. So it's cool that this is called Left of the Dial. And this was in 2007. So I always think of this in relation to, like, what was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. So rock was, like, you know, it was more like Arctic Monkeys. It was, like, in that vein and i guess uh emo had kind of come and gone so i'm thinking about like this was what 13 years after kurt died um not so it'd yeah been a while like it'd been a good while since he's been gone like the hype documentary was really interesting because that was made in like 96 so he like just died like two years before yeah, they, like, they were still in the 90s but they all kind of have um like good beats you know like interesting Mm -hmm. stuff i like that that one was done just very like shortly after he died so yeah yeah it's it's kind of nuts like that it's just like it was so fresh at the time when it seems so far away now because it happened so long ago but then you see things where you're like wow this just happened yeah it was such a weird time you know um so yeah this one's my favorite Uh, episode of them all just because obvious reasons um and then also like the u.s landscape in the early 80s was very reagan which is how we kind of start this and it's like super conservative um you know a lot of people were really frustrated with just everything it's very similar to how it was england yeah Mm -hmm. exactly like yeah like sex pistols era just a little bit later Mm -hmm. yeah um, so that was interesting how you kind of get like a blueprint of what life was like, which they did in, what were we watching? It was the Sex Pistols doc, or not documentary, series where they showed like England first. Yeah. Like what was happening at it the time. It was like piles of rubbish on the mm-hmm. street and there were like no jobs and it was just, a, yeah. Very yeah, it just, it just felt, yeah, it just felt super dark. And I think even Michael Stipe mentions like, you know, we felt like the concept of America was just being like pulled from under us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was back to this like family values, very much still like the Republican right. You know, it, they still have that conservative type shit, but it's a little off the walls now. But, uh, but yeah, it's like the similar type of like, you know, vibe. It was like almost when Bush was in, when we had the first Bush and then mm-hmm. Green Day came out with American Idiot, like that album. Oh, yeah. Was it American yeah. Idiot? That's the name of the album, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it, it was, was like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like that vibe when people were like really against Bush and like there were, Rilo Kylie did a song about him. Like there were a whole bunch of bands that did stuff. So this was kind of like before that, which is kind of cool that you see all this. And then you see there's like a depression. You kind of see this B-roll of these like small logging towns like Aberdeen, where Nirvana's from. And you see that Kurt dropped out and all dear, all these details, like the fact that he dropped out of school and became a janitor at the high school. Again, I didn't know that. I think I knew that from my, one of those early documentaries about him, but I guess I, f- I have forgotten. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it's really, it's just really interesting how these things kind of come together. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's really like sad and it's just very like, and he became a janitor. And you have Charles Cross, who's a biographer uh, of Kurt Cobain. You also have David Frick, who is like the senior editor of Rolling Stone. I don't know if he still is, but he's been there forever. Like he's been there since I think Leibowitz was working I there love in like the seventies. Look, he looks so still like he just stepped out of the seventies. Like yeah, he totally does. His hair and everything—it's really cool. looks like a Ramones. He does like a Ramones guitar <laughs> tech. <laughs> Like a roadie, mm-hmm. like you know, it's like a Ramones roadie, yeah. Um, he has a really good, or not him, but there's a really good uh interview. I forgot who he's with, and he might have been with a photographer, and they're both talking about the last time that they talked to Kurt Cobain mm-hmm. for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. And I believe he talks about like an interview that he had with him, and like, yeah, it was like the last time it was really, it's really cool. That's on YouTube to hear them talk about it, but that's cool. And you hear that Charles Cross says, like, can you imagine, like, becoming a janitor at your high school and then you see all these kids graduating and you're like you know cleaning the floor there like it's just a really it's like a mind trip you know this really informed a lot of how he felt you know about life yeah yeah but why did he drop out i don't know i mean i feel like he i mean i had there were people that in my high school we had someone who dropped out in april like wow. literally, like senior year April, and we were like, man, oh my God. we couldn't do like two more months. Like, it was just finals. But I mean, I think with his like kind of chaotic home life, and then later, I mean, it wasn't like a drug addiction thing at that point. I think his home life was. He lived in different places. Like from what I know, he like bounced around. Like I think his stepmom didn't want didn't want him living in the house because oh, they had another right. yeah, child. So he kind of like yeah. was. Remember, I think he stayed at a friend's house and he was like helping out around the house to like say thank you for letting him stay there. So I think he was all over the place, which like he felt well. No, it seemed like nobody wanted him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it felt so like rejection. I, I guess. So school is like the last thing. You know, you, you can't concentrate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you probably feel like, what for? Like, you what am I doing all this looking for? Out for you, like, you're not even living with them, so I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, So we get, like, the early 80s rock scene is, of course, like, the butt rock scene of Motley Crue, Poison, Spandex, Girls, Makeup. Girls, and... girls, girls. <laughs> I mean, I still like all that shit, but... I get it, you know, <laughs> if you're a guy and you're like, fuck this, man, this is weird. Like, this is corny. Like, right. I, like I mean, this. I have to say the only glam rock band that I did like for like five minutes and I was really young and I don't know, Kiss. <laughs> oh, really? You were a Kiss fan? Because I was little. You know? Yeah, they, I they I look a, cool. I, I was attracted to their makeup, I think. And the theatrics. They just look cool. But I mean, I didn't know much. Uh, my dad used to play them. So. I did like Kiss. They had a few good songs, but yeah. Yeah, their music's not bad. I kind of grew up out of it, but yeah. 
thought you were going to say, like, Motley Crue. Oh, no, no, no. Or something. I like a few Motley Crue songs, but I don't... Not as, like, a whole. Same with Poison. Like, I like a few songs, but I'm not, like... I don't know any deep cuts by any of these bands. No, <laughs> it's all same. the singles. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's all the big singles. So we get like, you know, this is the type. It's very like um, polished and like not true of the real world. Like these were not real guys. I mean, maybe on the Sunset Strip, these were real guys, but these weren't like the average guys like walking around in like a small town. So of course we get my favorite person in all of music, Henry Rollins. Thank the fucking Lord. So um, cool. He's I just love when he's in any documentary. <laughs> just love him so much we just and talked love- about him for like 25 minutes in a car i mean i love henry rollins i love his work i love his writing i'm just so obsessed with him i think he's so cool i got to meet him and it was very awkward and this is why i don't really want to meet people because i don't have anything to say like not that i don't have anything to say but i just like i don't really want to talk to them i want to be friends with them like i want to know like, what they're doing on the daily basis. Like, what books are you reading? What, like, I yeah, want to, like, follow do, up and with you. Can you. Totally ask, you could ask that. <laughs> like, what are you watching on streaming? Like, are you watching, like, Game of Thrones? Are you watching The Boys? Like, what do you do outside of music, you know? Yeah. He, I went to, I think this must have been, like, three years ago. I went to a talk at the Hirshhorn. And it was about mm-hmm. punk, that book. And, like some book that came out i can't really remember the name but he was he came out and and like was interviewed it was really cool he's so cool he's i mean like i like that he likes down to, to earth dude yeah yeah he's so down to earth he's so like regular and yeah i just think he's so rad <laughs> i think he's like so rad I feel like he should have, um, he used to have a show on IFC, like the Henry oh, Rollins show. Really? Yeah, I have the DVD. I have the DVD of the first season. Um, it's so cool. And unfortunately, uh, now that we go, I mean, that this is in hindsight, of course, at the time, like um, the episode with Marilyn Manson was like one of my favorites because they, mm-hmm. they just had like a really great conversation. Like just, I forgot what it was about, but at the time, but he, and he also had Penelope Spheris on. Um, she's amazing. She's this amazing director. She directed The Decline of Western Civilization, which have you seen those, the documentaries? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. It's like the most deep cut of deep cut punk shit, punk and metal and alternative. Mm. Um, there are three different versions or not three versions, but they're like three editions. We will definitely cover it because it's like definite. Um, it's usually on somewhere free, like Tubi or like, I know you've said that you've had to pay for Tubi, which I find weird. Um, but yeah, it's usually somewhere streaming, like, for free. Usually it's not, like, a rentable, but you can rent it. But he had her on. She also directed, like, Wayne's World. Oh, like, yeah. she's directed, like, mm-hmm. tons of stuff. Um, so, yeah, he has really, he had really cool guests on. But he was talking about, like, I was looking for something more out of music. Like, the music that was big was Motley Crue, and that just wasn't me. That wasn't my friends. You know, we were just, like, you know, you're talking about how they're just rebellious guys who, like, hate school. And, you know, they're just guys. They're just, like, young, aggressive, kind of... Not aggressive, but, like, kind of pent up. Yeah. You know, kind of guys. Um, so then this... He doesn't really talk about how he became um, the leader of Black, Black Flag or the singer. Not necessarily the leader, but the singer of Black Flag. Is that he kind of, like, fell ass backwards into it. And he, I believe, was, like, in New York and saw them. 
and like came up on stage and sang with them, like just like random. And they were like, Hey, that kid was pretty good. And I guess their singer was like going to leave, I want to say, or had left and they were looking for someone and they were like, yo, do you really good? Do you want to come on tour? Yeah. So he kind of like fell ass backwards in this amazing kind of situation and kind of like started the birth of hardcore. And I just love that Black Flag was one of the bands that inspired Nirvana and like Kurt and Chris, which is really neat. Yeah. Um, it's, so that's it's cool true. that it like all plays in there. Um, so yeah, they started playing like hardcore. That's another great documentary called American Hardcore, which you will also cover. Um, there's Salad Days about the DC punk Salad scene. Days, that's it. That was it. Yeah. Oh, that's it. it that's what. That. That's what it was a talk for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. So we will. Yeah, we'll get into those. But Black Flag and REM kind of came around at the same time. REM started in 1980 in Athens, Georgia, like a small college town that's like a, outside Atlanta. And um, yeah, so they started the same around the same time, like early 80s. And at that time, it was hard to book shows. Now we think of all these little venues and things that you can go to. But at the time, if you couldn't sell a studio or not studio, like a stadium um, or like even a ballroom, it was hard to book shows. So they ended up going to like, you know, pizza places and like gay bars and bowling alleys and just all these places that would have them. So I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. It's really, really interesting, all the, the way they cover that and, and talked about it. It's really cool. Yeah. And they have, like, I think Henry was saying, like, he's like, you know, we would set up to play in this, like, small town and, like, a reverend would come down and, like, all these parents being like, oh, my God, our children, like, these are, like, violent, chaotic guys. And they're like, we would hop out of this van and we're, like, four starving vegetarians and being like, hi, we're Black Flag. We hate everyone. <laughs> Like, they were just so chill, which I thought was really funny. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. I also love uh, what the the big quote that Henry Rollins says in this has always stuck with me. And I think he actually says it again at another time that he says, you know, we often thought, you know, we might not have been in this glamorous life, but, like, we weren't flipping burgers. And, like, you know, we just had our musical freedom. And maybe we missed a meal. And maybe, like, our shows got shut down. But, like, you know, we got 300 sweaty fans a night. And we just, even if we're broke, like, it's just this living. It's a sense of living life, you know? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was great. It it was really cool. I love that so much. At least we weren't flipping burgers, like, exactly that. And we're just doing what we loved. And I just, you know, stood by that. I think it's just so brave because not everyone can do it. A lot of people need uh, financial stability, you know? Yeah, they like need, yeah, it's like something that they strive for and it's like super important to them as, and it is to most people. I mean, it's a very like kind of select group of people that can just throw caution to the wind and just go do something. Totally. Not knowing what's ahead or what's on the other side. Um, so that's really cool, which I feel like I forgot who I was watching. I was watching some documentary or interview about, uh, the music industry now and back then. And they were like, 
and it was who was I forgot who it was. I might have been on TikTok. And they were like, what do you think about the industry now versus back then? And they were saying, well, back then, a lot of people just like they did something like they just were action. And now it feels like everything's so calculated, like Mm. people are worried about their brand. And people are like, oh, well, I don't want to do that. That might might not end up good. People could think X about me if I do this. But back then, obviously, it was different time. But they were more like, fuck it. Like, we'll just go who cares you know it wasn't as like kind of you know like it is now it's just different yeah so that's cool i think he also the guy also said like he's like that's why i love dave grohl because he just like took that chance and went and auditioned for nirvana you know like he didn't you know it was very much like he could have said like nah man i just broke up with my band like i want to go back and regroup and start my own shit you know anything could have happened but yeah. he was like, yeah, sure. I'll go audition for this band. Oh, they like me? Cool. And then look what happened. <laughs> so, so that's it. really cool. It's super cool. Um, we've got Life on the Road, which I love just all of the bits about Life on the Road. Just because it's just... I mean, I don't know. There's just something about... I'm so intrigued by tour life and all that kind of stuff. I've only done a few small dates um, with uh, my friends, but not a massive one. But I would love to. I mean, I would love to go on like a world tour. Like this is a big reason, a big thing, like a big, a big life goal is to be on like a world tour. I will be away from home for a year. I don't fucking care. I, I want to do that. <laughs> and um, it's get in the van is Henry Rollins' uh, book where he talks about life on the road with with Black Flag. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely, it's, it's just so cool. It's just a different vibe. It's like, you don't know where, where you're eating. You don't know where you're sleeping, oh, it's yeah. just, but it doesn't bother. I mean, it would bother a lot of people, I'm sure. But this was more of like the indie scene. Now, obviously it's different when you're like touring with a big man who's got a hotel and got roadies and got itineraries and managers and all that. But it's, it's cool to see the other side of it where you're just like, who cares where we're sleeping? We're, we're just going to play this show. Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of people can't. I almost feel like you have to, I don't know, something in your DNA. You know, I don't think just some people are just able to do shit like that. I know that it's just could never do it, do you know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, people are kind of like, what is this? Like, we don't know what we're doing or where we're going or where we're going to be. Like, what if something happens? It's like, well, who cares? Just go. Yeah. yeah it could be really cool. Um, so then we get like REM finding out that they're forming and Radio Free Europe is their big song. That was, uh, like probably one of their first singles that really got played on college radio, which is something that we still have, but it's not to the level of what it was then. So Mm. college radio, I would think of it as like a really, really niche Spotify playlist (laughs) by like a nerd in a college. (laughs) at like a local college where you could they'd have like a night show um i desperately wanted to work at my college radio station um in freshman year and i got kind of like shut down because i was an audio major and like they were really yeah and they were really um like territorial like i just wanted to just do like you're a a girl no there were girls there i i it was just really territorial because they were like audio majors and i think they thought that i was doing it for fun because it was like an elective for me. 
It's just like mm, a class I, I had to take. I had to take something in that like communication. So I was like, ooh, radio. Like I'll do that or I want to work like part time in the studio, you know, at nights or whatever. And it was very much kind of like, well, we're like pros and like we don't want to have to like teach you stuff if you're uh, just like doing this for fun. Like we want to be like, you oh know, God. actual radio people. And I was like, so I kind of got like a cold shoulder so I never ended up I always wanted to have my own college radio show like I was insanely jealous when Jen had one on Dawson's Creek oh yeah Uh, I was like I literally this is what I want (laughs) like more than anything just to play music all day or all night really I would even do like a night show I even told him I was like I'll assist on a night show like I'd love to be even the second host or like co-co-host like the third person like and they were just like super whatever but haha bitches I got a podcast So that's fine. <laughs> but that's literally what I what I wanted to do. So that was where they kind of broke. And I love that David Frick, Rolling, our Rolling Stones uh, roadie, uh, Ramon's roadie, he was talking about like, um, it's like a classic replacement song, Left of the Dial, which is a great song. He's like, it's where you had to tune your dial manually <laughs> when you tuned a radio station and everything was like below the commercial band, which is like, 89 point whatever like before you get to like 94 it's so 93 cool. it's, so cool. <laughs> it's so cool it's so nerdy and cool <laughs> i love that it's so cool um so yeah we also get introduced to around this time so this is like early 80s we're in like 80 i'm trying to think of let's see i'm gonna look up when that replacements album came out um because we're now getting into like post punk is now kind of morphing into something else and now it kind of includes melody and Mm -hmm. michael azarad who's the guy who wrote come as you are it's like a big nirvana um what do you call it like a biography or like i guess chronicle of their band it's like the most complete authorized version he's there Mm -hmm. talking about um you know the replacements and husker du is another band uh the replacements album tim which has the song left of the dial on it came out in 85 so we're like in that time more oh oh tommy ramone produced that album shit oh wow cool yeah you gotta listen to this album it's it's really really good um let it be is the album before this which is also really really good too but that's so crazy i didn't know tommy ramone did that but yeah so at that time melody was kind of coming in so like husker du had more melody and the guy was talking about like he's like you know at these shows you know all of a sudden there weren't just guys there there were like guys with glasses and he has glasses he's like and girls (laughs) like (laughs) like it was like all the guys who weren't like at these like vicious black flag shows like throwing hands you know not bad rep but yeah their shows Mm -hmm. to get a little bit crazy right yeah and like chaotic and stuff yeah I mean, Henry was, like, I love watching old Black Flag videos when you see Henry performing in, like, those short shorts and, like, he nothing had, like, else. so much energy. Like, so oh much my energy. God. It's, it was crazy. Know. So I can totally see why those shows would be, like, out of control. Um, I think he also talked about, uh, which is really funny, too, that Henry also talked about on that Punk Attitude documentary that we did, like, a while back. He talked about, like, there's so much, like, homoeroticism in punk, too, because all these, like, sweaty dudes are, like, bouncing off, you know, they're, like, touching each other and, like, bouncing off of each other and sweating all over the place. And he's, like, sometimes you're, like, fellas, get a room. (laughs) Like, get it over with. It's so funny. I love the way he, like, talks about it. But it's true. (laughs) It's so, like, weird. Um, so we get like REM gets introduced to Scott Litt, who's a big producer. Um, I 
besides producing the Unplugged album, he's produ- produced a few other things, but I know his name. Like, I, if you say Scott Litt, I actually knew who that was. But he produced the next R.E.M. album after they did um, their debut, and that one has the one I love. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Great song. I love that song. Yeah, this that's 80s, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so good. I also love that he talks a lot about, like, the technicality of how he recorded some of the songs, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Like he talks about how he like doubled, um, like the voices in the back, like when they scream out, like, I think he screams out like fire. Fire. I yeah. Think. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, he talked about how he like mirrored the voices and I like how you see like as a producer, yeah. how he changed the music and how he made things sound different. Like it's really, you know, it has the strings. So cool. I mean, yeah. It's I mean it just it's really cool that you see how much jobs or not jobs, but how much you have to know as a producer. You have to know like different types of instruments, how to get a specific sound out of this if you don't like this. Like how do you change it? Because the band is just kind of your clay. Like they have everything there. But your job as a producer is to, like, make it sound, like, the way you want it or the way the band wants it or the way it sounds best. It's a lot. No wonder they It is, but also, like, you have to have... I mean, taste is uh, abstract, right? Relative, Relative, But But you got to have, like, taste to make something sound great. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. I mean, you just have to think completely, like, on a different level, I guess. You know? And, like, just the knowledge of sounds. Totally. Yeah, like, you exactly. just kind of need to have, yeah, like, a, a general background knowledge. At least back then. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I know that uh, there's a software now that, that a lot of producers or, like, people, like, can use without sure. having this all that stuff. This is everything. It's like people don't mm-hmm. have to DJ anymore. Yeah. Like, day, for example, they just have a laptop out there. I know. We, like, what are you doing with the laptop? by machines and, like, computers and, you know. Yeah, programs and stuff. I wish I could have DJed vinyl. Oh, my God. That's, like, a real skill. I, I mm-hmm. had a flatmate who... I had a lot of flatmates, actually, that were um, music producers or DJs. Oh, cool. And one of them was, like, proper, like, mixing, you know, like, vinyls. He had, like, a... A set in his room and I try and it's the hardest thing he like tried yeah. to teach me I was like this is like I'm gonna have to practice for hours but I really did want to be a DJ it's funny like I did I wanted to play sets and stuff <laughs> yeah I mean I I totally still do I feel like remember there was that time during like the indie sleaze era which I guess we should probably do oh a, my God. an episode on indie sleaze because it's fucking everywhere so, yeah, oh I whoa that was crazy thunder I don't know if I didn't oh, hear it. Oh, I hear it. Yeah, it was like crazy thunder. Um, but yeah, the, yeah, we should totally do an indie sleaze episode. Yeah, that was a time where a lot of my friends became DJs too. I was gonna say everyone night. was a DJ. Yeah, lots of people could DJ. It's true, but I mean, on a computer, like yeah, yeah mm-hmm, the iPod. It was the iPod. Mm-hmm. And the I could see there when like COVID hit. I was like, this is a good time to pick up a new hobby. Like maybe this is a time where I should really do that. But I obviously I I didn't because I I can procrastinate. I'm really good at that. And I'm so good at that. Yeah, it just takes a lot for me to like jump headfirst into doing something new. But like, hey, we're podcasting. That's what we. 
that's our hobby and skill that we learned over the break. Well, Lauren over here is the brains behind this because she does everything. She does the no, sound. No, you have to talk. Edit- yeah, but that's anyone can talk. No, that's not true. A lot anyway, of people might not want to talk, and there's so not that know, much editing going on. Like fashion grunge, and like fashion grunge podcast, and now fashion grunge library. Yeah, it's all I'm like a one woman books. show. So I know I have way too much time on my edited hand. and every broadcasted by Lauren Brown. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> this is just because I, I honestly created this whole like thing because like no one was doing what i liked like it's just like a blog that just it's just like me talking about my own shit it's basically what podcasts (laughs) are but this is just me talking about all the shit i like and don't like sometimes but indie sleaze for god's sake we're not even that far out from indie sleaze like i know why are we romanticizing it now like i still have american apparel clothes we can't talk about it until Yeah, I mean, I still have, like, a shirt or two. They're, like, shirts I wear to bed. They're not shirts I wear out. But but the fact that they're still holding up, like, that means we can't talk about it yet. <laughs> like, it's too new. We need to have, like, Abercrombie new. is fine. That's old. That's, like, 30 years old, 25 years old. That's fine. But indie sleeves? Like... I know. It's so recent. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so like yesterday, honestly, when I think about it. I know. I, I haven't seen too much info on it. I mean, I've seen, obviously, like, the Instagram and, like, a few things here or there. But I think some things are coming out, like, TV shows and some documentaries. Something happened in England that I wanted to watch. It was, like, something they had on some channel, but obviously I couldn't see it. Mm. Um, I was hoping someone broadcast it. It was, it was, like, a bunch of music videos, but inter, like, spliced in between. It was, like, interviews with people from the time. Oh, cool. And stuff, and I was, like... I, they posted it on Indie Sleaze. I wonder, where, like, who that person who runs the account is. Also, and where they are. Hmm. Like, I don't know why it was only in London. That's why I was, like, oh, are they English? Or did they just randomly get a deal with, like, an English channel? Like, I just thought it was kind of... Yeah, like, interesting. But anyway, so... um we also get random random names for Nirvana, which was really interesting. Oh my god, what was it? Did Poo-poo you know about the Spina Bifida? I did not know. No. Poo poo no. box. Poo poo box. <laughs> Whisker biscuit. Um, there was another one too, but yeah, it was funny how the guys like. Could you imagine this band like taking over the world if they were called Poo Poo Box? <laughs> like, it's, no. Yeah, no, no, that's a terrible yeah, name. Funny. I mean, really bad name. <sighs> And of course, obviously, Nirvana like is the best name. Ooh, it's just yeah. such a great name. Um, so we kind of get into the Nirvana era. They kind of go from like Scott Lib, the one I love, like alternative rock. It, it all had like kind of a different sound, and then we kind of get into Nirvana. And they only kind of casually mention Soundgarden, per- but not like and Pearl Jam. No Alice in Chains that I heard. I actually don't understand like why. It's weird. It is weird. Yeah. I'm wondering if they just didn't want to do it. Like we talked earlier, like I wonder if it's just what's available. Because there aren't many things with... Okay, now Kim has been in some Soundgarden things, but they don't talk only about Soundgarden. It's like about other things. Like a VH1 has this grunge special um, mm. and he's on that. But it's always like, it seems like Nirvana, I mean, is great. We all love Nirvana, but I would love some more Alice in Chains. I feel like I just don't know that much about them as a band. Um, I mean, I've done, like, re- like basic research, but I mean, like, video, not, like, knowledge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind yeah. of metal, too. 
uh, Alice in Chains. There's a, a really good oh, uh, I used series. I metal, really. Yeah, there's a series about metal, and it's like about the subgenres of metal. And there's a there's a grunge episode, which of course I've seen, and it's really cool. The guy goes around to different artists in the grunge scene and kind of asks them like, "Is grunge metal?" And they talk about their metal influences. We'll probably end up doing this for the Patreon too, because we just, you know, later on next time, next week, we don't know what we're going to do, but it's not going to be about music (laughs) because we've done a bunch of music for a while. I know we have. Yeah. So we'll do something else. I kind of want to do something like, I don't know, weird or different about the nineties. If anyone has any uh, suggestions, um, (laughs) yeah, just let us know for like what you want us to talk about. But um, yeah, so I, I find that really crazy that there's not much about them. Um, we get Jack and Dino, who's in, like, everything. He also looks like the dude from Rolling Stone. He does. <laughs> I think. He totally I don't know if does. it's the hair or what. But it's cool. And he's, like, uh, produced Mud Honey, another band that came out. I believe their first album came out in 88. Um, it's super, was it super big fuzz, whatever the fuck. It's like some long title, uh, with touch me. I'm sick. So another early sub pop band, which we talked about sub pop on. What was that? We watched, um, we watched something that was about sub pop, the dark yeah. side of the nineties, dark side of the nineties. Yeah. I think it, it was. was. It yeah. Was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was gonna say, wait, I know a lot about sub pop, but yeah, so they were on sub pop, and then Jack and Dino is the one who recorded the Bleach album, and he said that like you know when Kurt was gonna do about a girl, another like thing I didn't know that he kind of apologized, like this is my pop song, like I hope oh, you yeah. like it, like I hope it's not too cheesy, and the guys at the label don't like it, kind of thing. I it's was like, kind of wow, like, yeah, I don't. It's so cool to just to be. Was her name Tracy? I think that's the girl who the song's written about. Girlf- yeah, it was the, the girlfriend. Girl- yeah. Mm-hmm. God, could you imagine? I lose my. She's mind. the one that supported him and everything. It always happens. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's always a woman who like supports the guy, like pays for everything, you know, like encourages him to like follow his dream, and then they leave you and then go for someone. It just always happens. Did that happen with Jim Morrison? No, no, he he was always with Pamela already from the beginning. And she was, yeah, from the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, he no, did love her. I mean, they moved to Paris together and everything. Yeah, yeah, they were, like, together. No, but yeah, it happens like in real life. I suppose that was real life, but it happens, like, just to, like, normal people, you know? like. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. And it happened yeah, to just me twice. <laughs> what? Yeah, like, like, a, like the first, you're, like, the first girlfriend? Uh, proper, like, serious girlfriend that really supports them financially as well so they can follow their dream and they quit their oh, job yeah. and then you turn them into this like confident man and help them and then once they get there then they fucking leave you that's just what happens but it's fine because i met my husband and he's great so yeah i was gonna say just Thank as you. well i'm sure that guy is like a hot mess somewhere so well, one of them actually apologized very recently and said i'm sorry i, I oh wow okay. i let go one of the best things in my life and i didn't understand how great you were i was like oh that's nice oh shit <laughs> wow look at you <laughs> all right okay <laughs> wow that's literally my goal in life is just to have somebody come back and say i didn't know what i had like that's the ultimate goal <laughs> like that's better than anything you're like I thanks i feel I even better now <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah and also okay so we've got like kurt doing a bleach that's doing like obviously super well we know the story there also i did not know the rem we come back to rem they had spent a decade touring that, that's insanity that's crazy 
No wonder how they want to. How can anyone do that? I mean. I don't know. It was like nine years. I think he was like 80 to 89. It's like another example. Like, you know, like literally everything that you put out there comes back to you. So like, they obviously work really hard. They absolutely deserve everything they have. Oh, yeah. But, like that success, like their career. They work fucking hard for it. So. I mean, could you imagine just like not even the monetary instability because it, they were selling records, you know, towards the end of that point, but but just the like chaotic nature of moving constantly for ten years, I can't like imagine. city to city. I, I think they said they they were either touring or recording. So even when they were in one place, there was pressure to make another album. So you're constantly writing. You're not even relaxing when you are home because you have mm. to record. Like. That's just, yeah, it's just a lot. It's, it's crazy. But um, so during this, during this whole like, you know, hiatus where they were like, we've been touring for 10 years, we have to take a break. Their guitarist um, put down the electric guitar and picked up a mandolin, which is so <laughs> cool. And then that so ended up cool. being like the spear uh, that started uh, losing my religion. Um, and which is cool. Scott Litt also produced that. So, cool. so that was so cool how you see them like, how you see him at the mixing board kind of like playing with the song and everything so brilliant like so cool everything about that song is just so incredible including the music video i mean that i remember being like a little kid and just seeing that so much on mtv and just be like thinking like this is so cool i mean it's so different yeah the video was just like something else and Mm -hmm. the song yeah i mean yeah that's me in the corner i love michael stipe's voice i know yeah i love that he's so cool and i love that he mentions like that it was so weird too in the 90s which is different it's almost similar now was that he's like you know i was really shy when i would perform and he's like and i had acne and i was kind of like you know a little quiet and then he's like and then all of a sudden once we got bigger i was expected to like know things like i was expected to be like just almost like kurt cobain like the voice of a generation i was supposed to know about the greenhouse effect like people came to me with all of these things because i was like thrust into this like spokesperson role that i didn't really know about or or want or you know everything had just changed for me it's so interesting yeah I mean, people are like that now. It's like you now we expect, quote unquote, like actors and influencers to be up on climate change and up on abortion rights. And like they should be speaking out about X and this and racism. And like, it's not so much we expect them, but we just feel that they have a responsibility because they have such an influence and they have a, a huge platform and they can use their voice to influence people for like. Cool, cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they have their own platforms, which is so different. You know, they don't have to wait for a radio station to mm-hmm. interview them. Yeah, they can put it out on YouTube, like in the middle of the night, you know, and just yeah. kind of sidestep their managers, which I'm sure drives like a manager insane. If you have a client, like a musician or like an actor or whatever, and they're like really, really online and you're trying to like police what they post. You know, because you're like, no, this isn't your brand. I'm sure they all have Finstas. Like, most of them have Finstas that their friends, you know, actually see their real Instagram. And the, the ones we see are just, like, commercial. 
Like they're just yeah. like a website, you know, they like it's pre uploaded. They probably don't even use it. It's probably someone else. There are a few actually, there's probably like a Buzzfeed article, which is interesting, like of the actual celebrities who do run their own accounts. Oh, really? Yeah, there has to be because there are a lot of them that don't. You can tell when it's like a movie poster mm. or like, uh, you know, like a general behind the scenes, like they're not online. But then some of the younger ones like Zendaya, it's like her because you'll see her on stories like in her kitchen. Or, like, oh, doing cool. something. So, you oh, know, it's her. Cool. I um, that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So, yeah, I wonder, like, what other ones actually... Like, I don't think Johnny Depp's running his. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, he uploads, like, very specific, like, you know, like, edited videos that I'm sure somebody just sent. And they're like, here, put this up. And, you know, he's going to write a thing and you just rewrite it. And you just put it up there for him. But yeah, it's so interesting. No, it is really interesting. Um, so we get to Nirvana again, and we get Dave talking about how they practiced. Another thing that people don't really realize about Nirvana is that they practiced a lot. Like, I think more than a lot of people might think. I think Smashing Pumpkins also were, oh, like, yeah. insane practicers. Um, I guess they don't really talk about it. It kind of feels like it just, oh, they were just this great band overnight. Like, I think also Oasis... Um, oh yeah practice like yeah. an insane mm-hmm. amount of time right. um which is cool for some reason i feel like the sex pistols didn't i feel like they just kind of like maybe like kicked around some stuff every now and again but basically just it went out and was like that, i know what you mean it's a little bit simple like, not simpler but you know what i mean like it's a different vibe it was, a, it was different sounds it's a little bit more like raw kind of thing and i just see like johnny rotten like bursting in being like oh, i wrote a new song <laughs> And they're all like, God damn it. And then they're like, all right, fine. And then, like, you know, you just have Steve, like, playing some random riff behind it. And, like, that sounds good. Let's move on. That's <laughs> just so like, funny. That, that's, like, literally what I think of. Um, so, yeah, so they're practicing. And we get, like, um, which is really cool that Dave was like, yeah, we used to go in and we used to try to play, like, as loud as we could and then as quiet as we could and to see, like, how it would work out. And then, of course, this was formed, this sound kind of exchange was formed by the Pixies, Boston-based yep. band. If you don't know the Pixies, like, pause this. Who doesn't this. know the Pixies? Come on. I don't know. If you're young and don't know, <laughs> pause this and go listen to the Pixies. I would say do little. Or Surfer Rosa are the two are the two albums that I would yeah. listen to. No, I think um, everyone knows the Pixies, especially if you're American. If you're listening to this, oh. then I'm sure you know. <laughs> but just well, if you listen to this, yeah. Yeah, just in case you don't, um, gouge away, which was so cool that you got like oh, um, yeah. Charles there, like singing. Um, I love when he just sang. He was playing the guitar, and he's like, you know how I did it like this, and then when he starts singing <laughs> the chorus, it like sounds. So, like, he has a voice like Billy Corgan. Oh, like, it's God. only yeah. his, you know? Um, and it was really cool where you, like, heard him playing and, and how he did it. And Kim Deal um, <laughs> talking about, like, where is my mind and how it was so simple. Like, I love their dynamic of how they were talking about all the songs, too. I thought yeah, me great. too. I just, yeah. There's so many things I love about this documentary, honestly. Like, I can't. Yeah, the people. You don't really get to hear from the producers yeah in like music documentaries you know like especially when they're they're producers that literally worked on really iconic albums or like with really iconic artists and this is really cool like how the song came about everything I, i i love learning about that i do too yeah it's so cool like i have the classic albums 
DVD, which explains like how they record certain albums. So I have the Nevermind um, edition. Um, it's so cool. I mean, it's basically Butch Vig. And so then we get into uh, April 91, which is the first time that Nirvana played Smells Like Teen Spirit. And they show a little clip of that. They played it live, which is so cool. Like you hear them like, we're going to play a new song. This one's called Smells Like Teen Spirit. And you hear someone in the background going, <laughs> free bird, free bird, which is really funny. And it's just so crazy to hear that riff. Like, and to be like, could you imagine standing in that room? And this is the first time that this song that's literally going to take hold of the entire music like generation or like industry and you're hearing it for the first time and you have no idea like it was kind of like like not rowdy but at first people were kind of like talking and then like once it he started singing like you could see people like immediately get into it. It was like crazy. Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. Um, so then uh, we get Dave being like, I didn't even think that was going to be on the album. Like, it was like a Pixies rip. Like, Oh, I know. But it's just so funny to hear that they didn't even think it was, like, either good or it was uh, all of them. They didn't even realize, with R.E.M., they didn't realize that that song was going to be what it became. No, you never you know, can know, I guess. It's funny, like... Oh, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, there's also that really funny bit uh, in like back in the REM Henry Rollins section where Henry said that he was like in Michael Stipe's kitchen when he got the phone call that he like went gold. Oh, yeah. They didn't know what that meant. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah, they're like, what? We had to call back and be like, what is gold record? And he's like, half a million. You sold half a million records? It's crazy. <laughs> it's really cool. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, So Scott Litt, I love the bit where Scott Litt's like... Well, you know, um, he's like, actually, I don't really tell many people this, but I was actually on the short list to produce Nevermind, and, and I passed. <laughs> he's like, do you want to keep going? Like, was, could um... you imagine passing? <laughs> Nevermind. I mean, he did other legendary albums, but he ended up doing the Unplugged album, which is, is great. But that's just so funny that he was like, yeah, <laughs> I passed. <laughs> like, I wonder what he did instead. I'd be curious to know, like, what album he did. So we got Butch Vig um, from, I think he's from Wisconsin. I always say Wisconsin like that. But he's from Garbage, uh, if you don't know. Yeah. uh, No, I recognize him right away. He he Mm -hmm. has such an iconic, like, unique look with his beard and the glasses and the hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. I love that he produced Nevermind and he talks about, like, how he, like, double-tracked Kurt's voice because John Lennon did it. Like, told him, like, John Lennon always did this. So, and he's like, anytime I used a Beatles reference, he was like, definitely down to do it, which I thought was really cool. Um, and then I love like the Teen Spirit deodorant. I use Teen Spirit deodorant. I can't believe that. That is I really love crazy. And they just brush over Kathleen Hanna. They're like, yeah, one of Kurt's friends. I was like, uh, Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill? Like, all right, let's, yeah. let's give the girls some credit now. Let's not act like there were no women anywhere. Because there were. Uh, and it wasn't Courtney Love. Um, so it's like, I was like, can, can, I mean, I know it's BBC. It was like 2007. But, I mean, can we get... Can we get something? Like, can we get something for the women who were there? For the women that were there. <laughs> yeah. Or not even the women. We literally just mentioned this. The women that propelled these men to move forward and gave you a goddamn song title I that know. she probably didn't get anything for. But she literally, I wonder how she feels seeing Smells Like Teen Spirit, like 
it was this massive joke, which is a great line because that's what the biographer said. He was like, "Wow, Kurt was like, I wrote about a deodorant." Like somebody told him, he's like, like, "Really? What?" <laughs> he's like, "I just like that line." I mean, Teen Spirit is a great line. Like, smells like Teen Spirit is a great, like you know, just a great euphemism and analogy for everything, which is is really funny. But yeah, and he's like, "What? I did." Um, so that's kind of crazy. And also I love, like, they mentioned the video and how the end of the video has the janitor. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, I don't think I recognized that until I saw this. I don't think I put it together that, like, it was, you know, specifically there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. No, I mean, me neither, really. Um, Something in the way. I love the way they talk about how they recorded that. Just, like, I in a small room. I song. Yeah, it's so good. Like... It's such, and now that you hear it back, knowing that like Butch was like, we couldn't get this song right and it just wasn't working. And then Kurt just like went into this like other room, like an office and started singing it really quiet. And then he was like, fuck this. And he like put all the mics in the room and recorded it. And he was like on a couch. So then when you, when you listen to that song, especially on headphones, it sounds so like now that you know what the room was like and kind of what the vibe was when you hear that you're like oh my god like yeah. especially when you have the strings and everything it's just it's- oh yeah i mean that's not, that's definitely i will say that's probably my favorite in nirvana song yeah it's up I, there i can definitely I like say it, it is it's something yeah something about this song i think it's the way he sings it with the, the music i don't know like yeah it's good it's a good one yeah i have like i'm trying to think i don't my one of my really favorite songs is on a plane really on a plane yeah i love on a plane and i also really really like i mean i like the ones that everybody knows and likes too like i love negative creep i love you know like i love their love buzz and, and i mean and i love that third album in utero and utero's like i like it, yeah i used to have it's it it's so fucking yeah. dark and it's when you know the elements around what like what was going on in the band's life you know mm-hmm. during that time it's so you can see the evolution like you can see that bleach is like this young band that's kind of like figuring out its way and they have some you know poppy kind of stuff but they also have some like punk kind of stuff and then nevermind is like when oasis did like live forever it was like i'm gonna write i'm gonna like really concentrate and like really do this and then it was like what happened after that ended up being like in utero kind of and yes basically yeah it's kind of nuts um, so then it says like the floodgates open and they start going like grunge bands were coming from everywhere and then they flash like gish and I was like okay Smashing Pumpkins I yeah. they're not really like grunge like they're alternative I know I never thought they were grunge ever they just they didn't have that like they were like shoegaze they were like really British like early Smashing yeah. Pumpkins, like really my bloody Valentine, like like the way I their guitars guess. were, you know, like yeah. they took elements from those bands more than the bands, more than the punk bands, and like the riffs from like punk and not metal, like most of the guys were taking them in the grunge era. They were like alternative. They were like a mix of like we didn't know what was happening yet. Smashing Pumpkins mm. is like, I mean, they're on another plane, another wavelength, really. But I oh, thought that was weird. They're like, Smashing Pumpkins, Pearl Jam. I was like, two bands that are so not in the same category, but <laughs> f- 
fine. All right, for lack of, you know, we'll we'll keep him in there. And then of course we'll we get into them like, in there. Yeah, we'll keep them in there. I mean, I need to make my own documentary. I would just be like, nope, this is not this is not what we're gonna do. We're gonna put it this way and this way. Um, but now we get into like the exploitation of Seattle, which we've heard about as it always happens. And everyone was like, and then you see Henry talking about people would like mob Kurt Cobain at the thrift store. Yeah. Which is just like, how, how sad. Like, so sad. I would never want to be this famous. I just, for to lose your anonymity is like the worst thing in the world. It I just, it, yeah. it, ha- it, it has, has to be. be. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I hate to bring it back, but I was, you know, I'm a pop culture junkie or nerd or whatever. And I was watching like the fashion shows and, and Kim Kardashian has her oldest child out and she's like taking this really slow walk and you just see all these cameras and the girl like turns to Kim and she goes, mom, why are they, why are they always taking pictures of us? Like, why are they Aww. always everywhere? And then she, I don't know, whatever she said. And then she was at the runway show and, and she held up a thing that said, stop like a, a paper. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is awful that it looks like you're dragging your kid to this fucking thing. Oh, yeah, thing. No, like, totally. You I can go like, do this all you want. This is I what you like do. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's like, ugh. But I can just imagine, like, I can't imagine, like, being in a Salvation Army, you know, and, like, kids are looking in to see what you're buying. And, you know, because now grunge, of course, becomes, like, a fashion trend, just like punk, just like fucking everything. And, yeah, it's nuts. I just, I can't believe that. Yeah, um, it's really. I mean, another thing that you just try to imagine what he, how he felt like he couldn't do anything. He just lost his freedom almost. Yeah, you know? it's just nuts, and especially that you're like so famous, like you couldn't move to a cabin in like Montana. It was like you were expected to be out and interviews and music. Like you couldn't just disappear. Like now you could just disappear and release your shit and never have to do anything. Yeah, like never have to go on tour. So we get back to REM and they have moved uh, back to Georgia. And I think like uh, Michael Stipe said that he was dealing with like a lot of loss and family and just thinking about memories of like earlier Mm. times in his life. And that's when they basically did the album Automatic for the People. Another great album. I definitely think people should go out there and listen to some REM. I feel like we don't like talk about them enough. I know. Yeah, I know. It's not one of those bands that you hear people talk about. They're I don't great. Know why. Yeah, they're they're a really great band. They're like a jam band kind of. Like I feel <laughs> like they have like a kind of a traveling fan base. Like people mm. kind of go and see them, you know, at different places. But I love that song uh Turn You Inside Out. That's in there too. It's like he's live performing it with like a megaphone. It, mm. It's yeah, it's a great it's a great song too. Yeah, I don't think I can think of I don't know that song. I don't know if I know like Oh yeah, it's good. Um, so we get like Night Swimming, another great song, and I love the story behind it. I love that. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's so cool. So cool. Like, they're just about being young and how they would all like go to this lake and like skinny dip and get drunk, like just when they were young and he was just thinking about this time. So he did Night Swimming and you hear like Mike Mills on the piano, like playing this amazing riff. Like, it's just so cool. It's so cool how that song, yeah, came together and how... Sometimes he starts with the music, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, it's really beautiful, like the 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 music of that song. Like, and just to be Michael Stipe and to know that Kurt Cobain really respected you, yeah, and like how they never sold out. He's the godfather to Francis Bean, uh, Cobain. So like, yeah, they were really really close, and 
it's just, and I think he was close with him. And in that last year of Kurt's life, like he really retreated and like mm-hmm. kind of went into like hanging out with the wrong people, like more into drugs, like isolating from the people who knew him and things like that, which is really sad. And uh, we get their last show being unplugged. And we were just talking earlier about how they like didn't think it was going to work out. And Kurt was in like drug withdrawal, which I didn't even know. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, They were like, it was just bad. Like, we didn't know what was going to go on. And (laughs) so we have that really funny thing with Dave. Oh, I know. He's like, I usually just bash the drums. He was like really annoyed. It's really funny. (laughs) Yeah. And Kurt's like turning behind him like, yeah, can you play just a little bit softer? And he's like, okay. And then he's like, hey, yeah, just to like a little bit. He's like, fuck, I won't even play. I'll just shake a Rabbler or something. Like, <laughs> if you don't want me to play. And then the producer, Scott Litt, who's, you know, producing the album, he like gives him this like weird like bunch of sticks that made like a specific sound. See, that's another thing. A producer, you have to know all these different ways to yeah. make this sound come out. How would you even know? Like a bundle of sticks. Even the even the drummers didn't even know what they were. Like even Dave didn't even know what it was. He was like, have you ever heard of these? <laughs> and he like gave him these. And he's like, oh, wow, this is cool. So I thought that, that was really neat. And um, yeah, we just, we hear all about like, you know, how amazing this Unplugged was. And I We've mean, everybody known knows. that it was amazing. But yeah, I mean... It just keeps getting better. I just keep learning more about that day, you know? Yeah, like, who would have ever thought that there were any problems with that show? I know. I have a friend who's from New York, but he he lives in London. But he was 11, and he was there in that show. Oh, no way. And Nirvana is, like, his favorite bands. Of course. And it's amazing. And he's featured in the album cover. You can see his back on there. Oh wow, that's it's cool. It's so cool. He's like friends with Dave now because he he's a drummer. So. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's so cool. I know. Um, we get like yeah, we just get like the fact that a lot of people like kind of knew he was isolated, and Michael Stipe like created this project that would have tried to pull Kurt out of his home life and like to go to Georgia to work with him. And it like, and he was like, yeah, we'd planned it. We'd even talked about touring together at some point. And it just like, you know, it was just something that just didn't ever kind of like come out, but yeah. And then they kind of end, you know, they're like, he was, I love how Michael Stipe was like, I'm so sad that he died because I think he was moving into like a really great, really like, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like songwriting phase. Well, that's what I was thinking too, because you know, we often say like, we wonder what kind of music he would have like gone on to make in. Right. Mm-hmm. But like he would have, oh, I, I don't know, like evolved. Like, I don't think he would have just definitely not pop, but yeah, I agree. He would have like definitely done something really interesting and beautiful and definitely more melodic, you know, because I can't yeah. imagine it would be, like, crazy, like, loud, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's just... It's so sad, the way they mention it. And they're like... Mm-hmm. And then I think Dave even says, like, if I could change anything, I would just wish he was here. I know. Like, that's it. Like, not even the band. Like, who cares if they would have broken up? Like, that's, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's just like, I just wish he was there. He's like, that's it. And then, like, the last thing I think they said was that Chris was like... Yeah, like, Kurt Cobain was, like, such a great artist, and he could have done anything, and he would have been really good at it. Yeah. Like, he was painting. Yeah, he was painting, he was, like, writing, 
Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So sad. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and they end with like, where did you sleep last night? And Scott Litt kind of talking about like how they all recorded it after he died or how they all like listened to it. And that like howl and that scream at the end. He was like, it felt like there were ghosts in the room. It was like so crazy. Um, So yeah, I mean, it ends on a somber note, but it's a great documentary. Um, I've got the link in the, I'll put the link in this note so people can watch it and hopefully it stays up there and I'll try to find one for blank generation for the future because yeah. the punk one's really fucking cool. <laughs> it's really, really cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, join us over on the regular pod doing lots of shit. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing next week. You'll have to tune in to find out. Yeah, or like maybe like inbox Lauren and just say stuff. Yeah, what do you want us to do? Maybe I'll do like an Instagram thing. Yeah, do it. Like a poll. Either I'll do a poll or like a question. No one ever Mm -hmm. answers my questions, but I guess I'll do a poll or something. That's easy. But yeah, we will see you all in the next one. Bye. Bye.